This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hi, Blue Wire listeners. I'm Greg Olson. I'm excited to partner with Blue Wire to bring you TE1, a podcast where I interview the tight ends who have revolutionized the position. Listen in as I have raw, in-depth conversations with the all-time greats like Shannon Sharp, Tony Gonzalez, Travis Kelsey, and George Kittle. We'll explore how the tight end position has changed over the last 60 years and what it takes to be the very best. Subscribe to TE1 from Blue Wire Studios today so you're ready for the August premiere. You're now listening to the Destination Debbie Podcast. I present your host, Ray Garvin, the creator of Destination Debbie, and your go-to source for all things Debbie and college football. Welcome back, Destination Debbie fam. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. You know who it is. It's your host of this here thing that we do, Ray G. You can find me on Twitter at Ray GQ, bringing you heat, all gas, all the time, baby. Make sure you subscribe to the channel, thumbs up, like it, comment, engage with the people below. But here we are. And I told you, and I'm not happy about it. I am a former college football player myself. I love college football, but it ain't happening in the fall. It's not happening. It wasn't going to happen. And that's the right thing to do. A lot of people fail to realize that the NCAA governs Division One, Division Two, II, Division Three, the FCS level. You've got over 130 Division One programs. That doesn't include FCS. That doesn't include Division Two or Division Three. And you've got student athletes across a ton of sports, swimming, lacrosse, soccer, shit that we don't even know about. There are Title IX implications. And again, these are students that the university is liable for. So it was so much bigger than football that what it looks like moving forward, I don't think anybody really knows. I was very confident that there wasn't going to be a college season. But after that, I don't know what that, I don't, I don't know what the hell that looks like. But what I've been telling you is none of the top 2021 guys are going to play, period. I don't care if it's pushed to the spring. They're not playing. So now it's time to get ready and grind for our rookie drafts because Trevor Lawrence and Rashad Bateman and Rondell Moore already opted out like they're not playing the next time we see those guys on the field they'll be playing for an NFL franchise they will be playing on an NFL team so for your dynasty rosters you got to start taking that into consideration and start making plans and preparations to capitalize on league mates who are like I really don't want any of those 2021 picks ah they're all going to come back they're not fucking coming back they are out they are 
are gone. Jamar Chase at LSU, the last time we saw him, he was a national champion, and that's how it should be. Last time we saw, you know, Trevor Lawrence on the field, he was balling out, and that's how it should be. They're done. They're gone. Move forward. So in this show, I'm going to give you my top five running backs for the 2021 class, talk about where I think uh, their, their value lies, some good landing spots for them, and my early comps for these players. I do not do the comp thing a lot. Like, if I comp a player, I feel really good, and I'm not going to switch that shit up, right? It, once I tell you these comps, that's pretty much who they're going to be uh, moving forward throughout the entire process. So, ready to get in the show. Glad you guys are here. Get it cracking. Top 5 2021 running back. Coming in at number 5 is the rising junior. I guess he was going to be a junior. Yeah, junior, rising junior. Last time we saw him, he was a sophomore. But Journey Brown from Penn State University. Journey Brown, 5'11", 215 pounds. Really came on towards the second half of the 2019 season, right? They had another running back named Noah Kane, who was a highly rated four or five star recruit, depending on the recruiting service that you use. But he was supposed to be the guy, dealt with some injuries, which opened the door for Journey Brown, and Journey Brown kicked that shit down and balled out, especially the second half of the season. On the year, 129 carries, 890 yards, average damn near seven years, seven yards a pop, 12 TDs, caught the ball 15 times for 134 and one TD. What's interesting about Journey Brown is he is extremely, extremely fast. He was a all-world high school track star at Penn State. It's been reported that he broke Saquon Barkley's 40-yard dash record at 4.29. You can see the speed on tape. I mean, it pops. When Journey Brown hits the open field, you're not stopping him. I know a lot of people look at that run he had versus Memphis where he's like looking like Marshawn Lynch Jr., beast mode, stiff-arming people out of the way, but he's got really good feet. He's got good vision. He's a super talented running back. The problem is he didn't do anything his freshman season, started off the 2019 season slow, so we really have one half of a season of production from Journey Brown. I do think that he is going to declare for the 2021 NFL Draft because the name is hot and the class is kind of weak outside of these top five guys. You've got a couple of other players that missed the cut. I'll get to them later, but Journey Brown is definitely poised to be a late first, a day two pick. You know what I mean? There's some people who have him in the first. I think he's a day two guy, second round, third round. He's very talented, extremely fast. Would have loved to see him do a little more work out of the backfield catching the ball, but I don't think it's I don't think it's a weakness, but it's definitely not a strength of his game. Um, something that maybe he'll be able to develop into is a better pass catcher at the next level. But Journey Brown, the talent, the speed, the second half production, and what we saw from him the last time he was on a football field over 200 yards on the ground was absolutely dynamic. And again, at speed, he is going to test like a ridiculous athlete. And that's, you know, what's crazy is he was like the number 2,000 and something ranked recruit in his recruiting class. Like he was not highly sought after. There were people who thought Ricky Slade was going to be the starting running back coming into the season, not Journey Brown. But when he got his opportunity, he did not yield that opportunity. And he's a competitive ass running back. Journey Brown, I do not of all these players, he's the only one that I don't have an NFL comp for, and that's okay. Like, I don't want to bullshit you and just throw out a comp out there for the sake of throwing out a comp. He's a really good player. He is a tier two running back prospect for 
me. Uh, I believe him. I have him in my overall Debbie rankings as like a top 25 player, more than appropriate. And you really could flip flop him with my number four ranked player, which I'm going to get into right now. But Journey Brown, super talented. He's going to go early in rookie drafts. He's probably going to get the draft capital necessary to be a factor at the next level early on. He's got that prototypical three down size, and he has shown an ability to do the three down capability skill set. So Journey Brown comes in at number five. At number four, Kenneth Gainwell Jr. running back from Memphis. Last year, he was a redshirt freshman. So at this point, he's a rising redshirt sophomore. What's interesting about Kenneth Gainwell is the news of Darius Guy's broken. Everybody is fucking pumped about Antonio Gibson and his outlook with the Washington football team in that backfield with no Darius Guy's with an aging Adrian Peterson. Well, this guy, Kenneth Gainwell Jr., is the reason why Antonio Gibson did not receive a full workload because he just fucking smashed as a freshman on that Memphis team. 231 carries, almost 14, almost 1,500 rushing yards, 1,459 yards, 6.3 yards a carry, 13 TDs. But this is where it gets juicy. 51 receptions, 610 yards, and three TDs, over 2,000 scrimmage yards. He's 5'11", 191 pounds. The only only knock on Gainwell is his size. But if you look at his build, his lower body is thick. The dude, the dude has size. He is not the skinny type running back. And I'm pretty sure he can gain a couple of pounds prior to the NFL combine to make sure his BMI threshold is where it needs to be. I don't know about any of that shit. I'm watching him on the field. And when he's on the field, he's a dynamic player. He can run between the tackles. He's more powerful than he's given credit for. And then his ability to catch the ball out of the backfield and be lined up at multiple wide receiver positions. He's not just catching flare outs out of the backfield like Max Borgie. They line him up at X. They line him up at slot. They can motion him out of the backfield into a receiver position and he can run the full route tree. The kid is dynamic and in PPR leagues, Kenneth Gainwell is going to be super, super valuable. If I had to compare him to an NFL running back right now, I think he's a better version of James White. And we were able to see James White, I mean, absolutely dominant dominating PPR leagues. And if James White can only get some carries here and there, he could be even more valuable. But that type of game tends to tends to last quite some time in the NFL, a running back who can run the ball and catch the ball out of the backfield. Do I think that he has the same, I guess, upside from a rushing potential as any of these other running backs I'm going to talk about? No, I don't. But he's easily the best pass catcher of these five backs. So if you're in PPR leagues and that's sort of your style, you want the running back that can give you the give you the yards on the ground, but also do damage in the receiving game, it doesn't get any better than Kenneth Gainwell Jr. This kid, uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure he's that he's on that fringe, uh, you know, will he declare or will he come back after this season? I don't see anybody who's eligible, who's worth a damn really coming back. We'll see. That remains to be seen. But if Kenneth Gainwell declares for the draft, I do believe he will have day two draft capital, second round, third round pick. And with his skill set, as long as he can gain some size, I think he's going to be a fantastic player in fantasy especially in PPR leagues. Now let's jump into the top three. Sunday, Sunday, Sundays are coming back in the NFL with SundayNFLTicket.tv. You could stream every live out-of-market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices, 
Plus, Red Zone, and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channels. Never miss your favorite teams and favorite players. No matter where you live, NFLSundayTicket.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use promo code BLUEWIRE. At number three, I know this is about to piss some people off, right? It's about to piss some people off, but these three running backs are my tier one running back prospects, and that is more important than the ranking. All three of them are grouped in tier one, so depending on when they get drafted and where they land, that's when I'll really finalize my order, but that's tier one, and it's Travis Etienne, the rising senior running back from the University of Clemson. All Etienne has done since he stepped foot on the field at Clemson has absolutely dominate. I mean, 766 yards as a freshman, 1658 as a sophomore, 16 14 as a junior and he never carried the ball more than 210 times ultra efficient ultra just fucking beast and tearing things up in the ACC 13 touchdowns 24 touchdowns he's got 56 touchdowns in his three-year career ridiculous now the the part of his game that needed some work was his pass catching he only had caught five balls as a freshman 12 as a sophomore and then coming into the 2019 season there was a report well it was a quote from Travis Etienne that he was afraid to catch the ball he heard ghost he had to work on his pass catching ability and what did he do in 2019 37 receptions 432 yards and four touchdowns now granted because I watch the games and I don't just read the fucking stats a lot of those receptions were shovel passes and and just quick little dump offs. He wasn't lined up running choice routes, option routes out of the backfield. He did not do what Kenneth Gainwell does. He does. He did not do what Christian McCaffrey does out of the backfield at the running back position, but he did show an ability to catch the ball. And the thing with Travis Etienne is if you give him a sliver of space, it is lights out. I have not seen a running back with as much acceleration as Travis Etienne probably since Jamal Charles or Chris Johnson. That's how much just from zero to 60 he gets upfield in a hurry. Now, he does not possess a lot of wiggle. He's not going to break you down and make you miss. That's not really his game. But what he does is he displays excellent contact balance. People are not getting Travis Etienne down on the ground with a single blow. I mean, this dude is bouncing off of stuff. I do think he's a, a starting caliber running back at the next level that probably would work best in a committee, sort of like Alvin Kamara, Mark Ingram. Now, that's not my play style comp for him. I think he's a, a cross between Jamal Charles and Matt Burita. And before you say ill Matt Burita, Burita's good when he's on the field. I mean, he's he's proven to be one of the fastest players in the NFL, evidenced by the NFL next-gen stats miles per hour. When when Burita gets the ball and gets in the open field, it's lights out. Burita's really good. Problem is he can't stay healthy, so we've never been able to, to see him seize that opportunity in a lead-back role, and he's in with Miami with Jordan Howard. So that's just sort of how it's going to be with Burita. But I definitely see the acceleration of Chris Johnson, but probably... High-end ceiling comp would be a Jamal Charles. 
without the pass catching chomps, but really, really settling in on Matt Burita as my comp for Travis Etienne. And I don't think that's a horrible thing. I think that's a realistic comp for Travis Etienne. So many times people throw comps out there and we fucking throw him to the moon. He's the next Barry Sanders. He's Jim Brown. He's Walter Payton. All these guys aren't that. So I think Matt Burita is appropriate for Etienne now. We'll kind of see how that plays out as the pre-draft process starts because we won't have a season and he's a senior, so he's not coming back. So I definitely want to see some of his testing metrics and then maybe I'll be able to really hammer down. But I've I've been saying Matt Breida for the past eight months and I'm going to stick with that comp. But Travis Etienne, tier one running back prospect, ultra productive, super athletic, and I think he's going to be really good in the NFL. Probably late first. He's not falling out of the second round uh, for the 2021 NFL draft and he is a top 10 overall 2021 prospect for me in this class now number two at number two i've been beating the goddamn table for this player for so long prior to the 2019 season i'm talking like april may of 2019 i was saying that chuba hubbard was a top five running back in the 2020 class he was going into his red shirt was it red shirt sophomore season last year yeah red shirt sophomore season i said he was a top five player in that class and i still think that would have been the case had he declared last year but he decided to come back not going to play and honestly i'm okay with that because he had what did he have 328 carries for 2094 yards 23 receptions last year 100 351 total touches and he probably was going to push for 400 fucking touches in Oklahoma State's offense this year so I have no problem with Chuba Hubbard taking a year off and saving and preserving his body at six foot one close to 210 pounds he's got a lean frame right he's a lean build running back but he has elite home run hitting ability was a national champion sprinter in high school up in Canada 10 500 meter dash that's about what Henry Ruggs was running in the 100 meter dash coming out of high school as well Chuba Hubbard returned kicks as a redshirt freshman he had over 700 rushing yards and 22 receptions sharing the field with Justice Hill and it was evident right then that this dude is a superior running back to Justice Hill and Justice Hill was no slouch so when you're looking at Chuba Hubbard going into the next level he is a zone scheme running back he needs to be in what the Denver Broncos run what the Houston Texans run if he fits into a zone scheme he is going to smash to where he can stretch it out see the lanes use his acceleration get up field he doesn't have a lot of wiggle either he's he's got a good one cut and then once he puts his foot in the ground like Travis Etienne it's just pure juice right there but he's not a a shifty break you down type runner he's not CEH he's not a Sean McCoy type. I love running backs that have that lateral agility. Chuba Hubbard does not possess that, but he does. He is physical when he gets downhill. He's horrendous in pass blocking. I talked about Clyde Edwards-Hilaire last year with that, but obviously that does not matter because he was the first running back taken. Um, So Chuba Hubbard is going to test well. He's an elite athlete. He's got elite speed. I'm not tossing that around lightly. He's got elite speed, and he's got the production to match it. Led the nation in rushing last year and was probably going to do it again this year. When I'm talking about a play style comp for Chuba Hubbard, really reminds me of DeMarco Murray coming out of Oklahoma. Both of them were those upright runners, you know, roughly around the same size. DeMarco 
DeMarco Murray 44140. So Chuba Hubbard's probably going to be faster than that. DeMarco Murray didn't have a lot of lateral quickness and, and wiggle either, but he could make you miss. And when he got to the open field, you know, DeMarco Murray was a beast and he was gone. And he fit that Dallas system really well and had a great career. Multiple all pro seasons, fantastic running back for the Dallas Cowboys, and had a good season with the Tennessee Titans towards the end of his career. So when you're looking at Chuba Hubbard, DeMarco Murray is my play style comp for Chuba Hubbard. I think he's a fantastic running back. Again, first round, second round type pick. No later than round two. He's not falling out of round two. And we should be excited for him for fantasy and for NFL purposes. And drum roll, please, for numero uno. Yes, yes, yes. The big running back out of Alabama, Najee Harris, six foot two, two hundred and thirty pounds. But man, of all the running backs we talked about, he's got the best lateral quickness. He's got the most wiggle. He's got pop. He's got juice. He plays with power. He plays with physicality. He can catch the ball in the backfield. He's good in pass pro. There's nothing that Najee Harris can't do as a running back. He was one of the top high school recruits coming out of high school in 2017. I mean, like literally, like if he was the number two ranked player in the class. So he's got the high school pedigree. Now he does not have the explosion. He doesn't have the speed of Hubbard, ETN, uh, Journey Brown, but he's got good explosion, right? Once he sees the hole, he bursts through the hole. His vision is outstanding. He sees the holes. He identifies where defenders are and he will break you down and make you miss or run through your face a la Marshawn Lynch. Either or, Najee Harris can get it done. And he's got that prototype typical size 6'2 230 just looks like a true three down grinder at the next level and when you look at what he did last year for Alabama 209 carries 1224 yards 13 TDs 27 receptions 304 yards and seven touchdowns through the air there were games where he absolutely carried Alabama if you go back and watch the Alabama versus LSU game you know I know Tua had some big throws down there to Devonta Smith late uh, touchdown to Jerry Judy there, but Najee Harris kept them in that game. They literally put that team on that kid's back when Tua went down, and he made defenses pay. I mean, he was menacing. He, he's physical, but he's agile. When you see that play versus South Carolina, where he catches the ball, throws somebody down, hurdles over a defender, and then beats them to the end zone, that's Najee Harris all rolled into one. I know there are people out there that I love and respect that are, are, are concerned about his age. He's going to be 23 years old during his rookie season. I don't care. All I care about is the first four years for a running back and after that anything on top of that is gravy and for the first four years of Najee Harris's career he's going to be outstanding. My play style comp from him uh, went between a Matt Forte and a Steven Jackson. I am landing on Steven Jackson. That's who he reminds me of is Steven Jackson 2.0 the big running back out of Oregon State who had a great career with the Atlanta Falcons and with the LA Rams or the Los Angeles Rams with St. Louis Rams, whatever the hell they were called when he was with the Rams, catching the ball out of the backfield and just being a physical downhill runner at the next level. And I really believe that Najee Harris is the second coming of Steven Jackson. So my top five, number one, Najee Harris, two, Chuba Hubbard, three, Travis Etienne. They are tier one. Most important thing is they are tier one running backs. We can shift them around however you see fit, followed by Kenneth Gainwell and Journey Brown. A couple of players who just missed the cut, just missed the cut. CJ Verdell, the running back out of Oregon, really like his game. I called him like a poor man's DeAndre Swift playing out there at Oregon. Really good running back, good explosion, can catch the ball out of the backfield. 
bit undersized, five foot nine, but he's over 200 pounds, so that BMI fits really well with CJ Verdell. Trey Sermon, the transfer from Oklahoma to Ohio State, just missed the cut. And, you know, it really sucks that we're not going to have a season because I thought this would be the season that Trey Sermon would have an opportunity to shine as the feature back. Really couldn't beat out Kennedy Brooks at Oklahoma. Never could command the full workload out of the backfield, so we really wanted to see Trey Sermon elevate his game. Not going to get to see that, so we're going to have to rely on those two years of sort of shared production with Trey Sermon, as well as Keontae Ingram. And I think Ingram is gone. I mean, they brought in B. John Robinson. He was kind of replaced by Roshan Johnson. But, you know, Keontae Ingram at six foot, 220 pounds, and a, a true three down threat can run the ball between the tackles. He's got good speed. He's got good agility. He's got the size. He can catch the ball in the backfield of all these running backs. Like, all Ingram had to do was step up last season. He would have been top five for me. Easy. He would have been right there after Travis Etienne at RB4. I still love Keontae Ingram. Wanted to see more out of him. We could get a discount on him. He's probably going to go all these running backs that I'm talking about. They're probably going to be third or fourth round picks. But depending on the situation they fall into, they could be sneaky, sneaky good for fantasy purposes. And the biggest faller from my rankings, the biggest faller is Max Borgie. I believe I had him at like RB5 over the summer, but the more I, or, or right after the NFL draft, but the more I dug into his game and I actually charted all of those receptions that he caught, he was not utilized like a Christian McCaffrey. He was not utilized like a Kenneth Gainwell. Those passes that Max Borgie caught were extensions of the run game. It was literally run to the left, and I'll just throw it to you. Very rarely was he lined up at receiver running routes out of the backfield. He's not very good between the tackles, and just because he's a running back and a white one that catches passes does not mean he's Danny Woodhead or Christian McCaffrey. Stop with the lazy fucking comps. Stop it. Max Borgie, I think he's a fine player. I think he's going to have a role at the next level, but you're probably looking at a day three pick in the NFL draft. And for fantasy purposes, he's probably not going to be relevant. So Max Borgie, my biggest follower, I've dropped him down quite a few. Like he's probably like RB13 in the class for me. I want no exposure to him. If you're a Max Borgie fan, have at it. You can have all the Borgie because we don't want him. And my destination, Debbie Crew, we don't want him either because y'all know better. Y'all know better. But that's it. Top five. Get in the wide receiver soon. Appreciate you dropping by. Listen, no college season, no problem. We got all 22 film, Debbie rankings, cornerstone rankings, C2C rankings, ADP. I got y'all covered, man. Patreon.com forward slash all gas. If you want exclusive access to me and that community in those services that we offer, I will be live streaming every Saturday going through college games from last season to get you ready for your drafts next year because the drafts are going to happen and you need to be prepared. So I got you covered. Make sure you subscribe to the channel. Stay tuned. Locked in hustle motivate be great i'm gonna holler at y'all soon peace